0: In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, Amen. Amen. Please be seated. Continue our series on questions that Jesus asks, answers, and avoids. And uh, this week we get another twofer—very exciting. We get a question that Jesus answers and a question that Jesus asks. Um, And actually, we have sort of a question. that Jesus answers directly. One of the few questions in all of the scriptures where uh, a question is posed to Jesus and he actually answers the question, it only happens a handful of times throughout the whole Bible, usually sort of sifts across or does this, which which should tell us something in itself, right? It says something about um, how important this answer is. It also um, looks at the time and place, as well as so this is about the last question that Jesus is answered, at least in the last question, that he's arrested and mocked and um, brought before the council, things like that. Um, we, we had last week the question about uh, the paying taxes to Caesar, whether that's lawful or not, and it was a trap, and so then then the next thing that happened was uh, they all went away, the Sadducees came up to Jesus, and they had their... Little resurrection riddle. Um, we usually do that in another year, but we, so we skip it this year. But it's the little resurrection w- riddle, where where a woman was was uh, married to a guy, and then he died, and then so she married his brother according to the law, and then he died, and married brother according to the law. So the all seven brothers died, and she so had no kids, and so therefore, whose wife will she be in the resurrection? And Jesus goes, um, don't. Are you not wrong because you don't know anything? Basically, you don't know the scriptures. You don't know the law. You know nothing about the resurrection, and this isn't how it's going to be at all. And the Pharisees were like, "Yeah." It's um, always happy, you know, the, the enemy of my enemy is also a friend type thing is what we got going there. And now the Pharisees have this question: um, What's the greatest commandment? We've got six hundred thirteen little laws. That have, that have been um, designed and come up with in order to keep the law fully. Um, so in those 613 rules and regulations, which is the most important? Jesus says, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. The second is like unto it, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commands hang all the law and the prophets, and there was silence. Right, this is a question that Jesus answered um, that they couldn't find any fault with. Um, in Mark's gospel, actually, a scribe asks Jesus this question, and the scribe says, "Actually, like that's a great answer. Like you're exactly right." Um, that's not here in Matthew's gospel, but um, Jesus says, "Yeah, then you're not far from the kingdom of God." I don't know if you think that's a good answer, right? This is so. It's, a, it's an important important aspect um, as jesus says on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets which means all the law that moses the moses gave and all the prophetic writings everything stems from love the lord your god with all your heart mind and soul and um, love your neighbor as yourself in fact as we've talked about before um, this 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 ver- this isn't really like a one two this isn't like The best one is love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And then number two is love your neighbor as yourself. It's really, it's really love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And another way to say it is love your neighbor as yourself. So if you're loving your neighbor as yourself, you're loving God is what Jesus is saying. He's saying a way to show your love for God is to love So now you know this is all you have to do to earn salvation. Easy peasy, lemon squeezy, right? You'll have no trouble to love God with all your heart, mind, and soul, and love your neighbor as yourself. Um, which is why it's not so easy, right? Even though you have 613 rules, sometimes it's way easier to keep the rule of you only walk this far on a Sabbath day um, than it is to love your neighbor as yourself. Um, the reason we have these other 613 rules is it's this sort of like, well, how do we love God? How do we love our neighbor? I know how we love our neighbor. We love our neighbor by doing X, Y, and Z and um, forget the major part, um, like justice and uh, uh, other things like that, righteousness. Um, and so... Jesus asks, though, a follow-up question. The uh, who's the Messiah? Whose son is he? And they said, Son of David. And Jesus says, right, so then, how come in the Psalms it says, David prayed, the Lord said to my Lord, um, that I'm going to make your enemies a footstool? Uh, they said, oh, no, they don't know. right? We don't know the answer to that question. Um, Jesus says, if, if, he's, if he is um, the son of David, then how is it that David calls him Lord? How can he call him Lord if he's his son? It says, And nobody was able to answer. Um, and here we, we do, Jesus begins setting forth this, this reality of, of, of who the, not only who the Messiah is, but what the Messiah is. Um, the Messiah, as, as everybody's thought, we, we keep talking about week after week after week, it seems like, that they keep thinking that the Messiah is coming in order to rescue us from, from the enemies around us, rescue us from Rome rescue us from the Assyrians, the Babylonians, the Egyptians, on and on, whatever foreign entity is surrounding us and making us um, and and, and pressing us and threatening us. Um, The Messiah has come to put all things right, and that will be David's son. And, And Jesus says, wait, 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 hold on a minute. How can it be just David's son if David is calling him Lord? And whether this is a question they never pondered or a question that's just outside of their own comfort zone of of what the Messiah is to be, all of a sudden we see here that the enemies of of God aren't the Romans and aren't the Assyrians and aren't the Egyptians and the Babylonians. The enemies of God are sin and death. And the kingdom of heaven has come in. And if the kingdom of heaven has come in, that means the kingdom of darkness is fading away, right? This is the reality that's taking place, that sin and death become the enemies, and um, the way that our, our enemies will be put under the footstool, so to speak, will be through the cross and resurrection and ascension of Jesus. Um, and, in, and, and then it says, and they dared ask him Right? No more, no more questions. Um, and we have in, in this passage today um, sort of a question, um, an answer that Jesus gives to a question that nobody questions, and then he poses a question that nobody can answer. It's a, it's a, it's a sort of marvelous um, look at, um, at what Jesus is saying as, as he prepares... Or his, his death, which will be um, just in a couple days, prepares for this, this reality of what it truly means to love God and love neighbor, which is, which is what's hanging in the air right now. Um, when the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the scribes all leave, and Jesus is left with a crowd and his disciples, what's left is now um, How do we truly enter into the kingdom of God? How do we truly experience the kingdom of God? How do we truly love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, and your neighbors, yourself? It's not going to be through keeping of all these rules and regulations. It's going to be um, from the grace and glory of Jesus who on the cross demonstrates What it really is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, and soul. What it is to love your neighbor as yourself. You can only do it through this outpouring of grace and generosity that Jesus does on the cross and does for us. Because left to our own devices, we can never keep the law. Right? If If you thought you couldn't keep the law from these 613 rules and regulations... You could just sum it up with these two and know you're still going to fall short. But good news, you're not saved by the law. The law crushes us. You're saved by the grace and forgiveness of Jesus Christ on the cross and his resurrection. This is what rescues us and delivers us. And when we talk about saved too much, we're talking about this sort of heaven, eternal life, this thing that exists. But we're not, you know, that's, that's sort of a, relatively new, last couple centuries construct.
1: It's really just existing and living
0: in life. These 613 rules just weighing on you, whether you're going to break one, and God just sitting there ready to zap you because of it. Or, do we have a God that sends forth his son into the world in order to redeem the world, in order to bring forth love and grace and hope and promise. And the enemies of sin and death and fear are cast aside and we can live into the power of the Spirit of God. This is where we find ourselves. Yes, where we are absolutely called to seek, to strive, to love God with all our heart, soul, and mind, to love one another as ourselves. This is indeed a glorious, glorious thing to try to live into. Um, And it is the role that we have as followers of Jesus. But this is not what saves us. right? This is not how we achieve salvation, or even achieve grace. We receive that from the love of God. Freely. And it's not unlike what Paul talks about with the Thessalonians, when he's sort of appealing to them uh, about about his ministry with them, where he just says, you know, we're, we're not here for money. We're not here out of greed. We're not here to get something. We've been entrusted with this message of grace and love, and we're telling you about it so you can have that weight of the world taken off your shoulders also, that you don't have to worry about how you're going to earn God's favor because you don't need to earn God's favor. And we're not here to please God. Please, man, we're here to please God. We didn't come with words of flattery, We didn't come to get rich. We didn't come to swindle you out of anything. We came just because we love you. But moreover we came because God loves you. And so therefore we came like nursing mothers to a child to feed you. And now because of the love that God has for you and the love that we see God have for you we started to love you just like God and this is this is the gospel message right? this is what really Jesus is talking about when he's talking about loving one another it isn't this it isn't this just abstract concept it's, it's this true feeling of putting ourselves aside as much as we are able to put ourselves and ego aside in order to bring forth God's love upon other people. Not even our love, but God's love on other people. And when we see the love of God that comes upon people's lives, and we love them the way that God loves us, and we see the transformation the change, we celebrate we rejoice, and then we begin to love even more deeply than we did before. We start things out of obedience, for lack of a better word, We're told to share God's love. We're told to love love our neighbors, ourselves, to love God with our whole hearts and minds. But what ends up happening is we begin to be changed and transformed and to truly exhibit God's love through the Spirit of God. And no law can weigh this down. No rule can trump this, which is what Jesus says as well no rule that you have trumps loving your neighbor as yourself right in, in Luke's gospel we don't have this this passage in Luke's gospel we have the parable of the Good Samaritan. but you want to know who your neighbor is you want to know how to love? You take this person who you don't know who he is you don't know he's stripped so you don't know his nationality. you can't hear him he's unconscious you don't know his voice. You don't know his background. You don't know where he lives. You can't tell anything about him. And you still love him. You risk your life to put him on your animal and take him to a town. That's what you do rather than pass by. Keeping the law. That's the, that's the um, hidden message in the... Not that we have time to go through the whole parable of the Good Samaritan, but the hidden um, thing that we sometimes miss in the parable of the Good Samaritan is when the priest and the Levite passed by on the other side, that was keeping the law. If you contact a dead person, you're guilty under the law. You've got you to turn around back to Jerusalem and do two weeks' worth of sacrifices and things, and uh, what a pain in the butt. Everybody would say, good job by you, passing by that guy on the side of the road. Instead, loving your neighbor means going and embracing, risking. This is the invitation that's set before us and moreover, the example we've been given by Jesus on the cross releases us to experience this amazing, immense love pray that indeed we not only can receive God's grace and love, but that we might show forth for those around us and return it to God's will.